Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, TEND is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Hi, I'm Simone Moore. I'm 58. My name is Christella Jones. I am 62 years old. My name is Vivica Sims. I'm 57 years old. Hi, my name is Virginia Owsley. I am 63 years old. My name is Carrie McDaniel. I am 57 years old. When I think of my butt. The first song that comes to mind is. Back that thing up. I think of the song by Nelly. I think my butt getting big. Baby got back. There's a line in Baby got back. Red beans and rice didn't miss it. And I love red beans and rice. In your face, you get sprung. Doing the butt. Of course, doing the butt. Christella got a big old butt. Oh, yeah. Brick house. She's a brick house. Mighty, mighty. Built like an Amazon. So that song is all about me. That's the one that gives me the power now. Beyonce? You look like Luther Vandross. Oh, but make it fashion. But you ain't heard that from me. Fierce. Can't stop. You see, when you do <laughs> clownery, the clown comes back I to bite. No sleep because of y'all. It's Britney, bitch. Y'all not gonna get we no sleep because of me. Who said that? Welcome to Back Issue. A weekly podcast that revisits formative things, people, and moments that we miss and that changed us. This week, let me sit this ass. Damn. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. This week, we are talking about the booty, which is rocking, rocking, rocking everywhere. Booty so big, word, Lord, have mercy. So, what does bootylicious mean? <laughs> Beautiful, bountiful, and bounceable. <laughs> Now see, that's just too much ass. See, now if a plane crash, we could eat for days. What, you want a Barbie? What about all of this? You just want some tea? 
Each week, we'll go back into the past and revisit unforgettable moments we all think we remember. And learn what they can teach us about where we are now. I'm Tracy Clayton, and I got a big booty. And I'm Josh V. Gwynn, the stallion. Oh, <laughs> Josh V. <the> pony. <laughs> Hey, Trace. Hi. Today's a big day for us. It is. Tell the people why it's such a big day. It's the last episode of this season, of season two. Wow. Wow. I know. Yeah. It's bittersweet. It's bittersweet. It is. Because, like, you know, us and change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, 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 right. Because this is the final episode of the season, mm-hmm. let's use it to talk about something that's really dear to our hearts, you know? Uh-huh. We're going to talk about the booty. Okay. Why are we going to talk about the booty, Trace? We're going to talk about butts because they're such a huge part of our culture. And by our culture, I mean Black culture. And by Black culture, I mean American culture because American culture steals all of the Black people. <laughs> Even booty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a very complicated issue in relationship, I think. Mm. And I think it's complicated with this idea of the fad. Mm. Things come in and out of culture and they are in and out of season and in and out of style. And right now, the booty is in. Right? Right. Like, everyone's talking about butts. Everyone's (laughs) thinking about butts. But I just think it's really interesting how, like, the zeitgeist can change and all of a sudden a body is in trend. Like, that's so weird. It's weird and it's also a problem because how are you going to tell me that a body part that I was naturally born with and I'm going to have the rest of my life is just, like, not Like, a body part can't be, like, in or out. Because some people have them, some people don't. That's fucked up. It's really, really fucked up. It's hard for me to think about because I think it's hard to think about the booty without thinking about our relationship to the body. Mm -hmm. Oprah hands. (laughs) (laughs) Very great Oprah hands. (laughs) So in that vein, we want to just warn y'all that this episode touches on a lot of sensitive topics about the body, like diet culture and fat phobia and all that generally stressful stuff. So if that's something that you're sensitive to, maybe you should take some space, revisit this one, take your time. We're going to be here in your podcast feed because that's our job. Also, we live here. (laughs) I'm really, really excited to have this conversation, though, like in all seriousness, Mm -hmm. because I think that you and I have very different experiences and histories Mm -hmm. and relationships to our bodies and our identities, but there's still some common ground to the way that we relate to them and our bodies in general, mostly based patriarchy, so it should be fun to (laughs) dip our toes into that pond. Mm -hmm. Also, I think that we should talk to the one and only Nicole Perkins for this episode because, yes, so, so relevant, so timely. She just wrote and published a book that's so good you need to get us called Sometimes I Trip on How Happy We Could Be. And in it, she talks a lot about desire and how it intersects with the body and the black female body in particular and like Mm. all of the challenges to that happiness and pleasure and just like Mm. just being here and in a body in general (laughs) it's complicated it's very complicated okay I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot to unpack so I'm super down I also think we should talk to Savala Nolan She's the director of the social justice program at the UC Berkeley School of Law and the author of Don't Let It Get You Down, Essays on Race, Gender, and the Body. Mm. So we're going to talk to Savala. And then we're going to revisit some super special voices, the ones that you heard at the top of the episode. 
of some very special Black women all over the age of 55 talking about their bodies like you heard up top. Yes, and I love that. I am so excited to spend this episode hearing from women speaking about their own bodies. I love it. Especially women who have had enough time to, you know, see our bodies as fads come and go out of style and have created themselves beyond that, you know? Right. Also... Me being me, in my Capricorn spirit, Mm -hmm. I did some extra credit, and I have a surprise for you later. I talked to someone who I honestly never thought that I would ever get the chance to talk to, let alone for this show. Beyonce? (laughs) Don't know, no. Okay, But I'll surprise you later. Yay! I'm excited. I can't wait. But before we do all that, we're going to get into everything booty, everything body. Everything oddy, oddy, oddy. (laughs) (laughs) And because this is back issue, I think I know where we should start. Um, is it... Way back? Way back It's way back. It's way back. history? Oh my gosh! So, in doing my research for this episode, I stumbled on some articles from like 2013 and 2015. And to say that these articles are very white is not an understatement. Mm -mm. I want to walk you through it. Like, I just, before you give me all of the horrible news, I just want to tell every publication that has done one of these articles... I hate you and you fucked up. <laughs> Money on it. Money on it. Let's see if I'm right about these. <laughs> okay, probably. <laughs> so, there's this health.com article from 2015 called Nine Awesome Moments in Butt History. Okay, just to clarify, you mean health.com as in the health magazine, right? Right, as in these people supposedly care about the health of your body. <laughs> it's wild to me that this is coming from a health publication. Literally that. So, number one. Do you know what number one could be? Well, this is a historical timeline, right? Yeah, it starts around 200 BC. Um, Greek sculpture. Absolutely. Ding, ding, That's ding. like number one. Number two, bustles, 1880s. We jump all the way to 1880s. Question. <laughs> <laughs> what? Right. So, this tradition of wearing wire mesh, steel, or even straw underdresses to make an exaggerated silhouette. Mm-hmm. Exaggerated. I, I wonder mm. where they found the silhouette that they were trying to copy. Mm. Hmm. Interesting that this article don't say nothing about that. Okay. Then okay. we jump to 1971. Oh. Hot pants. Hot pants. Like extra short shorts? Extra short shorts. Huh? And then we jump to the 1980s. Aerobic mm-hmm. videos. Jane Fonda. Buns of Steel. But didn't Buns of Steel try to make your butt smaller? Yeah. yeah I'm, you know what. And then we have 1999. J-Lo. There she go. Here she come. That's that's white people's white favorite booty <laughs> mascot right there. Right. Oh, Lord. We jump to 2005, Fergie, and the release of My Humps. All right. I feel like this is a joke. I don't know. And then we jump to 2011, Pippa Middleton upstages Sister Kate at her own wedding, showing off her bum in a form-fitting white bridesmaid's dress. J-Lo's behind, step aside. There's a new bum in town that everyone's talking about. Pippa Middleton's. So I had to Google this to see if it was actually a thing that people talked about. Like, that is wild to right. me. The next point in the timeline is 2013, oh. Miley Cyrus twerking on that stage with Robin Thicke. And it says, Miley Cyrus launches a twerking craze. How? Where? Though, the frenzied dance move has been around since at least the early 90s. If it's been around since at least the early 90s, then how she launched it? How she did and that? if you're doing it right, it doesn't look frenzied. It's actually very organized. Right! You would think it was frenzied if you were looking at that performance. Oh, that was definitely frenzied. The last moment on this timeline 
And I have to read it for you. Oh, no. 2014. This is the first time that a black person <laughs> is on this timeline. <laughs> Fans can't help cracking up over the booty-centric cover art for rapper Nicki Minaj's new single, Anaconda. So once black women are mentioned in a history of booties, it's because people were laughing at them. It's a joke. It's a joke. Wow. I'm physically angry. I really, really am. Like, how could nobody look over that and be like, oh, yeah, we should maybe mention race about all of this (laughs) shit. Because it heavily informs what we think is sexy, what we think is cute. Like, the the things that we're chasing, the things that white people are chasing. All Mm. of that is informed by race, gender, class, all of that shit. It feels like a willful omission. Like, it feels like it's on purpose. It feels like a reconstruction of history. You have to go out of your way to cut black women out of conversation like this. Right. I think that we should throw this timeline away. We should make our own. Let's do it. You know, let me some history. Also, there is a story that I feel like all of these articles, every timeline should begin with. Mm. And it's a story that I was fairly obsessed with in college. We're going back Mm -hmm. in history to talk about race. That's never a fun time. Okay. But very, very important to this conversation and to the episode. Joshua, might I take your hand and lead you back through history? Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) So, we're going back to the late 1700s, okay? Okay. And we're going to South Africa. This is around the year 1789 or so. Mm. There's a woman named Sarah Bartman, also known as Sarti Bartman. Sarti Mm -hmm. is like the diminutive version of the name Sarah, Mm. right? I've heard the story. Yeah, it's... Fuck mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. Sarah Bartman was a woman of the Khoi Khoi people in South Africa. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, like the Dutch and like colonialism and all that shit, they in South Africa minding everybody else's business. Right. So, Sarah was a South African woman. And as such, she had ass. She had hips. Mm-hmm. She had mm-hmm. thighs and legs. And like she's, she had a body, yaddy, 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 as we would now right. say today. Right, right. So, the white people, they of course were fascinated and obsessed with her. So, she's taken from a home in South Africa to Europe and literally put on display. Right. I don't want to mischaracterize her story or the terms or her quote-unquote employment because, I mean, does a signed contract from somebody who doesn't read the language that the contract is written in really count, you know? Right, right. But the bottom line is that she was a human person in a context and in a time where she did not have very much agency at all, and she was fetishized by colonizers. So I want to spend a little bit of time right here. Let's do it. I don't think we could do a booty episode without spending time right here. So that is where this Mm -hmm. form of fetishizing comes in. Dutch people, white men came and they were like, oh shit, I'm obsessed with this black woman. This shit is just like wild. Nobody will believe it. And this is what gets left out of those booty histories, right? Mm -hmm. Just plainly say, white Victorian women wore bustles and corsets to look like the women that their husbands were obsessed with. Period. Period. Like, leaving that out is irresponsible. It's not like they just woke up one day and they were like, you know what? I want to have trouble breathing today. Let me put on this fucking corset Mm -hmm. and heave Mm -hmm. my tits up to my chin and have a fake-ass lacy booty. That's not, it's not how it happened. I just, I have no sources for this, but it really feels spiritually like the co-opting of Black bodies and styles that continues to happen to this day. Anyway, speaking of things that happened forever, the fetishizing of Sarah Bartman unfortunately never stopped while she was alive. And you know what? It didn't Mm. even stop after she died. Are you serious? Swear to God. She died around 25 or 26, which is wild. Yeah. But even her body was on display 
at a museum in France. Mm-hmm. It just fucked me up so bad to learn this story. Because the first thing that I thought when I saw the picture of her, and like you can Google and you can see like all of the mm-hmm. scientific drawings and shit like that. Mm-hmm. The first thing I thought was, oh my gosh, she looks like me. Right. And the second thing I thought was, oh my gosh, she looks like my mama. Mm. And the thought of that just broke my heart that they thought that this human, this person was so different just because she had a big ass. Like, right. Uh, it's heavy, but yeah. there's some fun sprinkled out throughout the timeline. So let's see if we can get to that okay. <laughs> quickly. So we're going to skip from the late 1700s. You have Sarah Bartman mm-hmm. and how she changed the Western world's idea of what was beautiful and sexy. Whether or not anybody will admit it, that's what happened. Right, right. So now we're going to jump to the 40s, 50s, and 60s, right? Because this is when you start to see black bombshells and, like, mm-hmm. actresses that were actually allowed to be beautiful. I'm talking about, like, Lena Horne, Dorothy Dandridge. Right, like, film had taken off. You're starting to see black faces. Mm-hmm. But they are all a very specific type of blackface that you're seeing, right? Mm. Because remember, the standard was still white women. So there's most of the black stars that you saw were all light-skinned. Except for the actress Joyce Bryant, who was browner skinned than the norm, right? Still this pressure to be the right kind of woman. Mm-hmm. So now we're going to fast forward to the 70s when black people was like, you know what? We're going to take our shit the fuck back. And I am talking mm. about Pam Greer in the exploitation era. I love and am fascinated by black exploitation so Same. so much. This was a big, big fucking deal for black people, mm-hmm. especially those who are looking to the silver screen to see themselves represented in some way. So black exploitation's whole shit was we about to bust up through all of this racist shit. Like black exploitation mm-hmm. was like fuck that, fuck you, and fuck you and fuck you. We mm-hmm. are going to do what we want to do. So that's when you see darker skin, curvier stars, like mm-hmm. the one and the only. Pam Greer. Uh, Pam the Greer. So, bam, here comes Pam Greer. She's in movies like Coffee, Black mm-hmm. Mama, White Mama, which is my favorite movie title ever, Foxy <laughs> Brown. Like, in all of these movies, or most of these movies, she's in this big ass, like, can't miss it, black afro. Uh, Still a little bit on the lighter side, you know. But the thing that I find fascinating about Pam Greer is that in her roles, she didn't just, like, hint at the body yada yada, right? Like, her titties mm-hmm. is in, like, everything. Like, <laughs> <laughs> mama was out here. Mm-hmm. So, of course, Pam was a success. Black exploitation movies were a success. But through all of this, Pam herself still felt the pressure of not being, like, the quote-unquote right type of beautiful, right? Right. She said right. to Vulture in 2018, quote, I didn't feel that I was attractive enough. I didn't have the perfect Diane Carroll look. I have craziness happening on my face and body, lanky basketball arms that'll reach across the room. I just felt I wasn't Annette Funicello. Wow. Annette Funicello? (laughs) I guess that was the shit. Shout out to the Mickey Mouse Mouseketeers. Exactly. The Mouseketeers. I feel like being the first is always hard. Yes. Like, yes. you always feel the brunt of why you're the first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a reason you're the first, and you're going to run up against all that stuff. Yeah, and you're forging this path, and you're like, I don't know where the fuck I'm going. Right. So, that's the 70s, that's black exploitation. Of course, you have a lull in the 80s with Bill Cop doing this fucking shit. Like, we need Yikes. cleaner images of blah, 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 blah. Then hip-hop mm-hmm. is like, fuck you, Bill Cop. Don't nobody need your black ass anyway. And the Mm -hmm. great thing about giving black people their own microphones is that you can finally figure out exactly how we feel. Okay. You know what I mean? You can see what we think about, what we like, what we don't like, and what we liked 
was ass. So much ass. <laughs> and of course, there's always been songs about booty, right? Like mm-hmm. there's that um, Casey and the Sunshine Band. Shake, shake, shake. You know, they have a whole lot of sauce, but they was out there. You know, there's uh-huh. Tina Turner, uh, Shake Your Tail Feather, which actually has some seasoning on it. Jam. Then it's just like ass, booty, everywhere, <laughs> every song. <laughs> and he was like, okay, all right. <sighs> you had E Use the Butt, which came out in 88. <laughs> And you had the dance, which y'all is literally just bending over and shaking your butt in a circle. Oh, love it. You put your ass in the air, and that's the dance. Love it. I love it. Then you got stuff like Sir mix a Baby Got Back, which if I hear one more acoustic version. I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. We're like, get out. Get out of my house. <laughs> I want to invite you over to my house just so I can kick you out. Like, I need that to happen. Martin. <laughs> yes, it is me. Get to step in. Um, also in 1992, it was a big year for butts, apparently. There's Rump Shaker mm-hmm. by Rats and Effect. Mm. And then, of course, in the 99 and 2000, you got um, Back That Ass Up, which... I love that song because the beginning of it just sounds like a warning. It is. Bum, 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 It gives you enough time to be like, girl, this is your song. Yes. It's like, everybody come and eat. Like, right. Like, it's like, are you getting on the dance floor or are you getting out of the way? It's so good. You have to decide before these strings are over. Exactly. <laughs> you don't have a whole lot of time. Exactly. So, yes, hip hop gets big as shit. Hip hop loves booties. It goes mainstream. And then you start to see all this black hip hop fashion type shit and hairstyles on other people. And when it goes mainstream, that means that the people who created hip hop and the people that it was made for and the people who listened to it also went mainstream and that included black women. Mm. So basically this is another situation of elements of black people, black women becoming popular. But black women do not become popular. Black women get punished for the things that these thieving ass white folks get celebrated for. Right. And like, again, we'll talk more about these frustrations, but it sucks. It really, really sucks. It does some shit to your brain and to your mind. Yeah. So the bad news here, Josh, is that all of this is definitely still going on right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it very well could keep going on until the end of this world as we know it, which might be sooner than later because we know. <laughs> you know, who knows? But <laughs> it could be this way for the next 12 days. Who knows? But in addition to back that ass up, the 9-9 and the 2000 gave us something else that we desperately needed. Do you know what that thing was? <gasps> Beyonce. King Beezus herself. Beyonce's ass became famous when she was like, my ass is amazing. Right. My ass is everything. My ass is literally bootylicious, right? She heard that sample from Stevie Nicks. And she said it sounded like my butt. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally what she said. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just like, you know what? I'm going to celebrate me because if I don't do it, who else will? Exactly. And I'm going to celebrate my sisters who I know are looking at me. You know, like I've got this platform. I've got this stage. Y'all's booties are bootylicious too. So we're going to mm-hmm. do this for ourselves. And that's exactly what we did. Mm. 
So that, my friends, is what a historic timeline of the booty should look like. Mm. So when you see health.com out in the street, tap it on the shoulder, look it in the face, and say, go lay down. (laughs) (laughs) Hearing your timeline of the butt versus health.com's timeline of the butt Mm -hmm. makes me really think about, like, the way that we accept the narratives that the media gives us about ourselves and our bodies. Unconsciously. Unconsciously. Mm -hmm. Like, without even trying. Mm -hmm. So we're going to hear from Savala, and then we're going to revisit these super special voices, the ones that you heard at the top of the episode. They belong to some very special Black women all over the age of 55, talking about their bodies, talking about their identity, how those things are tied together. Yes, and I love that so, so much. Like, I'm so excited to spend this episode hearing from women speak about their own bodies, and it's from a demographic that we rarely hear from. Yeah, because I think that, like, having enough space and enough time to watch these trends come and go out of style and being able to establish yourself beyond that is, like, something that we should definitely honor. For sure, absolutely. I don't get why we're obsessed with booty right now as a society. As for Megan the Stallion. She looks good. She looks like the ideal image that the young ladies are going for nowadays. Big butt. A true big butt is what black women have. We have true big butts. Now with Grace Jones. She doesn't have booty. She's slender. It wasn't as big of a deal to have a big butt. Back then, beauty was skinny. Nothing to hide. Now you know Beyonce killing the gang. Them look like two watermelons sitting up there. Everyone wants the Beyonce booty. I feel that the obsession with booty is when folks are really geared trying to be close to the black culture. And when they get it done, you, you can't duplicate that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Dana Carvey and David Spade here. You might know our podcast, Fly on the Wall, featuring guests from across the entertainment industry. We decided to do a spinoff called Superfly, and it's fun. It's just two of us riffing on current events, pop culture, catching up, impressions. Joe, Trump's trying to be a dictator. Yeah, she says, uh, you know, bump on the tater tots. Joe, no. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to and follow Superfly on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. When I think about images that affirm me, I think Diane Carroll, Oprah Winfrey, Ruby Dee. I heard Oprah say, hey, if you can't be a banana, be the best plum that you're going to be. Late teens, early 20s, my butt was, was round. I always describe myself as hippie. I have a dunk. It's round and it's not fake. It's perfect. I think my measurements were 38, 28, 39. I feel like I had just the right amount of butt. It was proportioned with the rest of my body. Wasn't too much, wasn't too small. In high school, my butt was flat. It didn't have a whole bunch of curvature to it, but it does now.
I love that so much. First of all, it's refreshing to hear black women talking about their own bodies instead of white people or men, you know? Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you feel about your body? What do you, right. you think about it? I want to listen to more people talking about their bodies and their butts. Well, we're going to throughout yes! this episode, Trace. Ah! I'm so excited. The Sir Mix-A-Lot song came out. I like big butts. That's Savala Nolan. She's the director of the social justice program at the UC Berkeley School of Law and author of Don't Let It Get You Down, Essays on Race, Gender, and the Body. And I had like Oakland face, LA booty. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, I love me a JSTOR moment. Like you know give what? me a bibliography <laughs> and I am happy. Come on, Clark, get along. <laughs> Dewey Desmo. <laughs> but her work isn't just academic. Savalas. It's insanely personal and it's really about unlearning. Little in the middle, but she got much back, like thick in the middle and not a lot of ass. So to, to this day, that song still kind of haunts me like when I hear it on the radio because I really wanted to feel celebrated by that song and I just didn't because I still didn't have the look that that song was was praising in terms of asses or anything else. I mean, one thing my body has taught me is that I can be fat and I don't lose anything that matters to me. Um, that is so fucking poignant because media, music, commercials, all this shit will have you thinking that if you're not thin, if you're not skinny, then you are not as valuable. Like, you bring less to the table, you have less to offer. But once you unlearn that, like, you're gonna be good, you'll be fine, you know? Like, that is so, so important. Unlearning is, like, such a process. I mean, I love learning. (laughs) (laughs) But I wish we lived in a world where we could just learn something once. (laughs) Right, can we just learn all the right shit? (laughs) (laughs) It's a good point. So I'm so happy that Savala is here doing this work of examining our relationship to the body and the culture's impact on it. She, like the rest of us, found herself in this space with messages about how she should feel about her body being told to her, like shown to her, and not really constructed by her. I do remember longing for the bodies of the people that I saw in (laughs) movies and television and film. And they were, for the most part white. Maybe I'm aging myself by referencing Top Gun. I was in first grade when Top Gun came out and I saw the movie and, you know, she was this like thin, lithe, small butt blonde. So that was the body that I clearly understood to be desirable to the dominant culture. Culture's really clear about who's hot. (laughs) Oh, 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 there's literally lists everywhere. The 83, 84 (laughs) hottest celebrities. The sexiest people alive. I feel like the body that's on trend is the kind of fictionalized Kardashian-type body. You know what I mean? The slim, thick. That's not my body. I'm just fat. So I don't think that I benefit, really, from the shift in the norms. And I'm also not someone who has, like, a huge butt. You know, like, it's cute. It's got a little thing going for it, but it's it's not, like, going to break the internet because I'm balancing a glass of champagne on it. I remember that moment oh, so I do clearly. Too. And I remember everyone being like, oh, my God, like, uh-huh. the butt, it's in. And I was like, where have y'all been? Like, right, <laughs> right. Why is this your messenger? This is such a timely reference because the first time I saw that break the internet picture... 
I thought of Sarah Bartman because she's Oh my like God, in, me too. Yeah, she's in profile. The first thing I thought about was mm. Sarah Bartman. Mm. I mean, it's just... It's sad the way it all comes full circle sometimes. Mm-hmm. So remember all the times where I was like, um, later in the show, we're going to talk about the tension between being both punished for the way you look, but also desire for the way you look. <sighs> this is where I would just like to vomit all of my feelings because... It really is one of the greatest frustrations of my black girl life, you know, because it's just so unfair. Like, it hurts. It sucks. It impacts you, you know? Like, you turn on the TV, you go catch a train if people still take trains. I haven't been outside in a long time, guys. I don't know what's like <laughs> out there. But you see advertisements and shit. So y- y- you're told that wide hips are beautiful. Cornrows, they're beautiful. Big lips, hell yeah, they're beautiful. As long as they're not on people who look like you. As long as they're not on black women. Mm-hmm. And, like, through all of this, like, the Kardashians are chilling. Mm-hmm. Chilling, making millions. Bars. And allowing white people to think that they're, like, expanding the idea of what uh, That's the biggest, that's the biggest part. You know? And, like, I have a confession. One of my worst habits, and I really, really need to stop this, is looking at old pictures of myself and just being really unkind, mm. you know? Like, I'll look at it and be like, wow, I thought I was fat in this picture. And I don't say that to say, like, there's something wrong with being fat. There's not. But it was the language that I used. It was the mindset I was in. Like, I did not mean that kindly at all, you know? And it reminds me of the fact that, like, I was hardly ever happy in the body that I was in while I was in it, you know? Tracy, I do the same How do we stop that? It don't help nothing or no body. Mm. Like, just appreciate your shit now, you know? So you don't have to be like, I wish I appreciated this body. Like, no, do it now. But way easier to say (laughs) than it is to do, you know? But you know what I feel when I look back and I'm like, oh, you were doing it in this picture. But at that moment, I didn't feel that. Mm -hmm. I felt pissed off. Because I'm like, oh, I could have just been enjoying life. Like, I could have been living. Like, you know what I mean? I don't think that our culture gives us a place to put that anger. That is so true. And Black women in particular are, like, kept from and divorced from this anger, right? right? Which is something that Savala talked about in a way that just took me out. Women and Black women are not allowed to express retribution and rage. We're just expected to take the crap that the culture throws on us and somehow experience anything but anger in response to it. I have had that anger in me no matter what my body has been like because at times I've been incredibly thin, but I still haven't been allowed to express the anger that accrues when you live in a world that wrongs you chronically and persistently without atonement or empathy. (sighs) Yeah, when she's Put it that way, like, Mm -hmm. we're treated horribly and expected not to be angry about it. Expected to be anything but angry. Feelings and emotions are physical events. They're not just in our head. They're not making them up. Like, they take a toll on our body and our... And our nervous system. Listen, my nervous system tries to leave my body once a day. (laughs) It's just like, I can't do this shit no more. I can't do it. The so, rent is too damn high. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, being in a body is complicated. It's complicated. I did not sign up for this. I would like <laughs> to opt out, please. Where's the unsubscribe right. letter? Okay. 
Savala also got to one of the culprits of this dissonance and this frustration that we feel around conversations around our body and how we feel about our body. Diet culture. Imagine if the place where you lived right now, like every part of it was constantly being renovated. You'd want to leave, like you would not enjoy, and you, and you would never experience satisfaction because you were always pursuing some newer, better end game. I have always felt this, Tracy, and I've never been able to put it into words. That is an amazing way to put it. I've always felt this, and I, I, I feel like, name a diet. I've done it. Like, remember when Beyonce did that master cleanse for Dreamgirls and mm -hmm. she lost, like, all that weight in 30 days? I did that. And I think it's the same with the bodies that, that we live in. You know, the home of our soul and our experience, it's like, if it's constantly under renovation, it's no fun. It's no fun to be in your body when you're constantly trying to change it. And for me, that took the form of dieting, whether I was pursuing kind of more of a white beauty ideal or a black beauty ideal it involved changing my body. So just getting off that truly endless treadmill hamster wheel um, has been the most powerful, liberating thing in my life. Did she leave directions on how to get off of this hamster wheel? Because <laughs> mine won't slow down long enough for me to get the fuck out. Growing up, it was really bad for me because maybe like at 10, 11, you know, I had boobs, I had big legs, I had a butt, you know. And when you're a kid and you're trying to have fun, you know, that's very disruptive because men think you're grown, you know. Then everybody's questioning you during like winter months. Why are you walking around with a jacket around your waist? I don't want people looking at my butt. I was self-conscious. Started looking at myself a little differently. My dad wouldn't let me wear mini skirts when I was a teenager. He always wanted me to wear skirts that went just below my knee, I guess because I was so shapely. Mm-mm-mm, baby. Back issue and we're back. Everybody back. We've thought a lot about the booty. Mm -hmm. The booty throughout time. Yes. The booty is represented in the media. Historical booty. So we're going to talk more broadly about the body, yaddy, yaddy, yaddy. But I don't think that you can do that without talking about the way that you came of age to your body. The way yes. that you arrived. Yes. Like, how did you realize that you had a big butt or like mm. a body that stood out for one reason or another? When I think about mm -hmm. that... I don't know, it's weird. Like, I knew that my butt was big when I was younger because my family and friends would joke about it, you know? And also, like, I have eyes and all the women in my family, my mama's side, have mm. big asses. My brother's nickname in high school was Big A because <laughs> you know? So I'm just like, oh. My mama would always talk about it when we went, like, shop for, like, back-to-school clothes. Uh-huh. And she would always be like, ugh, we got to get a size bigger because of that thing back there. <laughs> <Aww>. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? The worst thing a little Black girl can be is fast. As soon as she learns her smile can bring special treatment, women shake their heads and warn the girl's mother, be careful. I think there is an awful lot to unpack with regards to our childhoods and our bodies. And who better to do that with than writer Nicole Parkins? They caution the mothers of boys, watch that one. When adult men hold her in their laps too long, it's because she is a fast-ass little girl using her wiles. 
She's too grown. She tempts men and boys alike. Nicole is a poet, writer, and podcaster, and she read us a passage from her book, Sometimes I Trip on How Happy We Could Be. Eve, Jezebel, and Delilah all in one, the click of her beaded cornrows a siren's call. Fast girls ruin lives. Ugh, that word, so fast. Mm. That has to be a Black word, right? Do white people use that word? I don't know. And this is the thing that I've been wondering. I think it's a it's a Black thing and also an older Black thing. Mm. You know, like, I've never heard, like, a girl my age call another girl fast. Me either. You know? It was never, like, my mama and her sisters. I was my grandmama and her friends, you know? What did they mean when they said that? You know, let's let Nicole tell us. Being fast means you are sexually mature, too sexually mature, that you are a sexual being. And not just sexual, but that you are using sex to get something. So that you are using sex to be manipulative or to your own benefit. Women, girls are not supposed to have sexual knowledge of themselves. Fast is not a thing that girls choose to be. Fast Mm. is a thing that men force them into. Mm. These little girls live in their lives. Mm. I think the first time I heard fast applied to me, I think I was just talking to a boy, you know, and maybe laughing with him and just being like, get your fast ass over here. That's the first cleared time that I remember just having this fear that talking to a boy would get me in trouble some kind of way. This sort of gender policing, what effect does all of this have on like how you think about yourself? Well, one thing I think it does is it keeps men in control you know, Mm. of any and everything that's not them or of any Mm. and everything that they may want one day. Like, the way that our grandmothers grew up enforcing the same idea, you know, that's that's their doing. (laughs) You know Mm. what I mean? But, like, on a personal level, it fucks you up. (laughs) You know, Mm. like, you don't know how to feel about your body because if you Mm. feel good about it and it brings you negative attention, oh, my God, what did I do? Or, oh, my Mm. God, is it always going to be this way? It makes you have this weird relationship with your body because you don't know what it is about you that's so wrong. It doesn't put the responsibility on the people who are actually victimizing you or trying to victimize you. So this is a really, really important point, right? Because Mm. that has so many effects on the way that you see yourself. Like, that shit gets to people, and it can affect your relationship to food. It can lead to depression and just all sorts of things. And this is something that Nicole talked a lot about, but she also talked about how women are taught or not taught to seek pleasure in their own bodies. And Mm. where do you turn to if you can't turn inward? For that pleasure. Mm. We want to make sure that little girls only get sexuality, only get approval when it's trickled down through someone else and not from themselves, not internally. You want me to wear a dress so that I can signify that I'm a girl, but it also has to be a, a particular kind of dress to make sure that nobody tries to talk to me like I'm a girl, right? <laughs> like, so what am I? How am I supposed to dress? How am I supposed to navigate this world where you want me to make sure my femininity is represented properly, but also not enough so that people treat me in the terrible way that people treat girls? So what we just heard Nicole say actually makes me think about Sarah Bartman, which is where we sort of began, right? Because Nicole's talking about, okay, you have this body, and your body upsets people, so you have to cover it up. 
But it's just like when you cover it up, it's still not enough to keep the attention of somebody who has you in their crosshairs. You know, like if they mm. want to approach you or talk to you or touch you or victimize you, you know, they will no matter what you're wearing. And it makes mm. me think like, you know, what could Sarah Bartman had wore for mm. the colonizers to just leave her the fuck alone? You know, like nothing. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it, does, yeah. it doesn't matter. Like her choices, very, very limited. It was a very different time, but like, our choices are still limited for the same reasons. You know what I mean? Mm. It's just depressing and tiring. This is so depressing. <laughs> Sorry. But I think I have something that might lift our spirits, maybe? Hooray! Remember that surprise? Is it Hennessy? Is it the Hennessy I asked for? <laughs> it's not Hennessy. Oh. It's better than Hennessy. Ooh, okay, I'm in. I got it for you after the break. Back. Back. Okay, so now what do we do with all of this? Like, there's a lot of feelings going on. Some of them are mine. I don't like that. I hate um, feelings. <laughs> especially my own. <laughs> so I suggest that we pull from our show guide, our North Star, if you will, Tyra Banks, and ask ourselves, did we learn something from this? I think we did. What did we learn? Actually, I learned something from Tyra. Remember when she told everyone to kiss her fat ass? I sure do. And then she was like, just playing, I'm going to go work out and diet, and then I'm going to be skinny again. <laughs> that confused me, personally. I did love that energy, though. <laughs> I need that energy, and I feel like that's mm. what we need. So, I'm going to give you your surprise now. Yay! What, 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 what? Guess who I talked to for our show. And it's not Beyonce. It's not Beyonce. Nikki Giovanni. The front door. Nikki Giovanni. Shut the knows front who we door. Are. And <laughs> the back one. Oh my gosh. I was feeling the same way that we feel right now, right? Oh my uh, with all these feelings, like, what am I supposed to do with it? And I was like, you know, let's talk to someone who's on their revolutionary shit, like oh someone who's on their fight, you know? Yes. More revolution, please. I got the chance to call Nikki Giovanni and ask her if she ever felt uncomfortable in her body. And she told me the story about when she had breast cancer. I had a, a breast removed uh, because of, of a breast cancer. And so the first time I went to the beach, of course, I don't have a right breast. So now you're going to the beach in a swimming suit. And the first thing you're thinking is, mm, everybody's going to look and say, oh, where's her right breast? That is amazing and a little bit unbelievable. Like, I know that it happened, but I'm still like, you sure this ain't fake? Wow. But also, though, like, thinking about her story makes me feel anxious. Like, I feel like a right. little ball of anxiety in my chest because I imagine her story and I would just be terrified, I think. Same. But you got to keep things in perspective, which is what I think she was trying to get me to do. Mm. And she did that by trying to remind me of one thing that I don't think we hear enough in this culture today. What's that? You're not the center of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> I beg your pardon. But other people around you are probably wrapped up in their own thing yeah. so much to even notice about the thing that you're hyperfixated on. That is so, so true. And then you realize, actually, nobody cares they're not even looking at you. Nobody's going to holler, hey, lady, you left your breast at home. And it took a minute to say, wait a minute. We removed the breast because it was cancerous and going to kill you. And now this is what you look like. 
and you have to be happy that you're here to look at it. And it was dum 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 dum. It does take a minute. And I, I said, I, I'm not trying to tell you something that I haven't been through to some degree, but it just takes that next step. This is me, and I'm okay. Mm, I feel like that last line, this is me and I'm okay, is, that is my new goal. Mm, same. I'm not trying to get to body acceptance nirvana. I'm j- I mm-hmm. just want to be able to be like, you know what? This is me. These are my flaws. This is my amazing ass. Here are some more flaws. And that's all right. And that's the goal, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a big part of the advice that Nikki Giovanni gave me. <laughs> <laughs> what a sentence, Joshua. <laughs> What a sentence. <laughs> is focusing on who you're trying to please. Ooh. Why are you trying to please people that don't care about you? Message. I don't know. She put it historically, too. Like, that when she was fighting for our rights, focusing on wasting energy trying to please other people was like, that's wasted energy. I could use it for better use. Mm. Because we weren't asking white America to like us or to like the way we looked or to, you know, really go like, oh, aren't they wonderful? We didn't, and we didn't give a damn. And that let us march. That let us decide we are going to break down segregation. That let us decide we were going to change America. And we did. And we did. And they did. You know one of my favorite things about Nikki Giovanni? What? She has this tattoo on her arm that says Thug Life. What? She has a tattoo on her arm that says Thug Life. And she got it when Tupac died. To show his mom that she wasn't alone in that moment. (gasps) But that energy, Thug Life... Tattooed on her arm. Like, I'm trying to get more into that headspace. Talk about not giving a damn. Not giving a fuck. That's where I'm trying to get. And I feel like it's so much harder done than said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. So I asked Nikki Giovanni (laughs) for a guide for how not to give a fuck. The first thing I would suggest that you do is when you wake up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, hi, you're gorgeous. It'll make you much happier because it may be the only positive response you get that day. This is your body. This is who you are. So why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you like it? Mm. <sighs> you know what? A while ago, I was having a sad moment. I kind of sad, kind of tender. And mm. so I Googled how to be mindful when you're sad, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I read actually helps. And it was just like, this is just a condition of having a human heart in a human body. Mm. And I feel like that explains away most of the stuff that we get pissed off at our bodies about, you know? Mm. We experience them because we're thankfully alive to experience them. Right. You know? So I feel that. And that, for me, is the goal, is to start experiencing it. Like, Mm -hmm. instead of, like, always forward planning, like what Savala said, I want to stop renovating. I want to start living. I want to be, you know, like a homeowner in my body. (laughs) 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 Give me the deed. That's my wish for myself, and that's my wish for everyone that I love. Oh, my God. It's also my new wish for me. It's a goal, but it's hard to think about, like, the steps to that goal. Oh, it's going to be a journey, and it's probably going to It's going to be a journey. And you know I do not suffer a journey well, child. I just want to get there. Well, Nikki gave us some words of encouragement. The first thing you have to do is love yourself. No, you don't need to be humble. You need to love yourself. You deserve it. You deserve the love that you can give yourself. And then you'll have a little bit of love left over that you can give to somebody else. Everybody 
This is just common damn sense. It's not going to love you. But the people who do should receive the love that you have. You cannot waste your love on people who always are going to find something wrong with you. You have to love yourself and the people who love you. Then you have a community. Mm. What is it about an older black woman just telling you the fuck like it is? What like, is it? Girl, I do not care about your feelings. This is how it works. Don't make it a damn. <laughs> that, uh, but they're always accurate. <laughs> I feel like this is such a great note to end not only this conversation and this show on, but the end of our second season because Nikki Giovanni told you. <laughs> you now have permission yes. to love yourself yes. and the people who love you. Because then you have community. And we want to say thanks for being our community and for being yeah. our tribe and for showing up every week. Because otherwise, we just be screaming to nobody in our closets. And <laughs> we appreciate it. And we appreciate you so much. I hope that you take all of this advice that Nikki Giovanni just gave it. Put okay. it into your body somehow. You choose your orifice. I don't know how you get down. Just <laughs> get it in there. Take it to heart. Make sure it hits the heart. <laughs> okay. I still love my body. And as I age, I'm I'm loving myself even more. Because this is who I am, and everything about me is perfectly designed by God. I'm just proud of the person that, that I've become over the years. I just love me. I mean, you don't have to be um, a size 10 or 7. Love yourself. Back Issue is a production of Pineapple Street Studios. This show was created and is hosted by Tracy Clayton. That's me. And also, Josh Quinn. That's me. Our senior producer is also Josh Quinn because he's an overachieving Capricorn. <laughs> <laughs> and our lead producer is Emmanuel Hapsis. Who will be so happy that you got the Zodiac signs, right? Yes, I'm working on it. Our that. managing producer is John Asante. Our senior editor is Leela Day. Our associate producers are Alexis Moore, Zandra Ellen, and Brianna Garrett. Our intern is Arlene Arevalo. Our executive producers are Jenna Weiss-Berman and Max Linsky. And our engineers are Raj Makija, who made the music that you heard at the top of the episode, and Davey Sumner. This show also features amazing music by the one and only Don Will. You can follow him on all the socials at Don Will. And if you give him some money, he'll make you some music too. And you can follow me on the socials at Broken McPoverty. You can follow me at Regarding Josh on all the socials. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever free podcasts are sold. Do it. And leave us a review. Do it. Only if it's positive. Yeah, take your negativity <laughs> elsewhere. We don't want that. That's not part of our community. Okay, Nikki Giovanni. We're only here for the people that love us, like Nikki Giovanni said. Mm. Rate us five stars, please. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> And it's so, uh, it's so, so, so. I turned to Australian for a second. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs>